0: what's up guys welcome to the underground church podcast this is abraham and i'm here with my brother james what's going on guys and today we're going to talk about the spiritual warfare that is going on just beneath our noses all across the nation let's do it yeah and it starts here you know with all of the craziness going on i'm not even going to list it out you guys all know what's going on in the news The world is looking crazier and crazier. And stuff like this is going on. So, just a few days ago, these people that were calling themselves the disciples of Lucifer were planning these marches that support a one world government. And this is across the entire nation. This is in North Carolina, Florida, Ohio, New York City, Niagara Falls arizona you know all over the country and also in israel and even in toronto wow and those so locations
1: to- are very telling especially the fact yeah. that it's the united states places that are very nearby to the united states and israel
0: mm-hmm. and you can see they're also targeting some of the most i would say right-wing places in the united states as well guess what the battles occur where their ideas that conflict with their satanic, luciferian ideals and their goals. So not only are they going to target the already compromised places, they're going to be targeting the places that have the most Christians, that have the most right-wing, freedom-loving, conservative American value type of people. So I wanted to point this out because I think a lot of Christians out there, I think that a lot of us are comfortable. And I think we're comfortable inside of our churches, we're comfortable inside of our small groups, inside of the Bible studies that we go to every week, how we hang out with each other or grab a meal, break bread with each other. And generally, in these settings that we've been comfortable with for years and years and years, a lot of us, since we were kids, and so we get this myopia. We get this nearsightedness into, okay, this is what Christianity is. Christianity is equals the potlucks. And I'm having a spiritual battle or I'm having a spiritual struggle when I'm just having a difficult problem with some of my friends. And that could be true. I'm I'm not dogging on that. Or I'm having so much trouble. This is very common. I'm having trouble reading the Bible every day or I'm having trouble understanding the Bible. And it's these issues that I think a lot of Christians typically deal with day in and day out, not understanding that there is a intense, an intense spiritual warfare going on that Paul talks about throughout the New Testament that is out there and that is influencing your cities, communities, the media that you're consuming, And I think it's very important for us to get out of our comfortable bubbles, like how our early church ancestors did. Many of them would go out, and they would go out to evangelize. They would go out of their comfort zones. And also keep in mind that a lot of these people were being persecuted. And a lot of Christians today are not being actively persecuted. We can have our potlucks, we can have our Bible studies, and no one's going to bother us, right? Right? And what happens is we lose the perspective of just how crazy it is out there. And we just got a glimpse of it the past few weeks and the past few months with the whole pandemic that was going on. And guess what? Luciferians who are planning these nationwide marches, they're literally calling themselves the disciples of Lucifer. I'm quoting the blurb on Facebook, by the way. They're saying we are the disciples of Lucifer we are here to fulfill the prophecies of revelations and start the foundation of forming a one world government. And they're calling on every citizen on earth to stand in support of the creation of a one world government.
1: So really they're they're rushing ahead of themselves because nations still exist, right? Mm. Despite the fact that we now know that many in many facets of society support this idea of the one world government, right? Where that used to be considered a conspiracy theory, like a tinfoil hat type of deal. But now we know it's being brought forth into the open, right? And so now it's kind of like a common thing. I mean, I think most people have heard of this. And these guys are kind of just like marching in distinct nations. They're still nations. They still have laws that govern those nations. They're still identified as sovereign nations, right? But they're marching for this one world government thing. Okay, well, we have the freedom and the right to protest. But here's the interesting thing: despite what these people might have, what kind of intentions they might have, because I'm sure everybody will have a different intention for why they might join a group like this. But the point is: here at this channel, we are a Christian podcast, and we are oftentimes paying attention and looking at things from a spiritual angle, right? Therefore, if you look at this people can say this is a coincidence if you just look at it strictly from like a material sense right but isn't it interesting the very next day a bunch of people went right in front of the white house and they tried to tear down the statue of president andrew jackson right and then they tried to spray paint and set up what they called baz the black house autonomous zone right so this is following chaz who we all know now that it's a failure the very mayor that used to be like, oh, it's like a summer block party, it's no big deal. Once there were too many obvious rapings and killings going on in that area, even the mayor had to finally let up and say like, okay, we're gonna have to shut that down. And But I mean, that's just kind of something interesting, right? It's like, hmm, that's spiritual warfare. That's declaring a spiritual battle over these sovereign nations, where I don't think it's an accident that the very next day after this, Ritual? What, what was it? Didn't they do these marches on, like, the summer solstice? Isn't that like a satanic holiday where they're saying, like, there's a heightened amount of spiritual power, you know, and it's just like... And they
0: per- perform certain rituals and stuff. Uh, there is a tremendous amount of satanic significance, Luciferian significance to the summer solstice. Right. And, and we're this not, is where by they- the way...
1: Exactly, man. And by the way, we got to point this out. We're not misrepresenting what these people believe. I mean, we're reading the article. This is They call themselves the disciples of Lucifer, right? And they were marching for this one-world government, which is obviously in opposition to separate sovereign nations because it is our opinion here that the current state of the world, there's no need to rush into a one-world government because different separate nations are not ready for that yet. We still have third-world countries out there that have a long way to go to develop. So to try and unify everything under one world right now why are they rushing and pushing so hard for this right it's kind of it's kind of strange if you just like take a moment to think about it but yeah so and there have been members of like the satanic church and different cuz there are different satanic organizations out there and some of them claim that no they don't worship an actual being they don't worship like a fallen angel satan or lucifer they think that it's a concept it's like an anti-religious concept right Well, some of them claim that, and some of them might actually believe that, but there are certainly others that call Lucifer an actual entity, right? For example, like the Theosophical movement, you could read people like Helena Blavatsky, the founder of Theosophy, which is a Luciferian religion. And a lot of people follow those teachings, channeling beings like demons, what's called automatic writing, writing down like instructions by channeling these beings. So it was not just an idea to her. It was not just like a anti-religious concept. She believed in her own religion, right? And so that's just one example of many. But we certainly stand against their beliefs and we don't agree, especially as Christians, this should be a massive alarm and an awakening to the world Mm -hmm. of Christendom and all of these sovereign free nations that we got to start praying more, fasting more, getting into the word and letting that cleanse your mind, transform your mind. That way you can look at the world and see what's going on in clarity, in the spirit. Because it's kind of obvious when you look at it from the spiritual angle, but we live in a nation where they've downplayed the spiritual for so long, even though this is a major part of human history. Only in recent times, there's been an overemphasis on just What's observably, materially apparent right in front of your face. Empirical data is the only thing that we're ever going to look at, right? And so it's become a really rigid way and a limited way to look at the world. For example, if somebody was non-religious, non-spiritual, right, and just purely trying to come at this from a scientific angle... They would just say like, "Oh, come on! Like, okay, I guess it happened the next day that they went right in front of the the White House, <laughs> the leader of our nation, and they tried to tear down the statue of a president, a former president, and set up, you know, baz their little autonomous zone there. The very next day after this satanic ritual took place, so I mean, to somebody who's spiritually minded, it's kind of obvious, right? We're just like, uh, come on, guys! But obviously, because the way that society has been trained recently, right? You have to exclude that kind of thinking, like the obvious, your intuition is screaming at you, common sense, the obvious. You have to exclude that and just pigeonhole yourself, limit yourself by rigid, we don't know anything outside of empirical data. Well, there's a spiritual realm. (laughs) So just wanted to make that point. But yeah, Abraham, what do you think, man, about all of this?
0: I mean, I think at this point, this is, if anybody does even just a little bit of research, you'll find out that this is not just an isolated thing. We're 22 marches that happened around mostly in the United States, Israel and in Toronto. This is just them being just a little bit more open about it. And that should be a sign for Christians because, for example, if there's one Christian that is outspoken about his or her beliefs... How many Christians are there behind him or her that go to that same church that are not being outspoken? So if there are certain people that are being this outspoken about these beliefs, how many people are practicing in the privacy of their own homes and doing these rituals in the privacy of their own homes? And this is something that now, I think, maybe decades ago, 50 years ago or something like that, people would just be like, no way, no way this is going on. But now, with the media, and all the symbolism, and all the events that we see, and all the imagery that we see, I think we can very clearly state that there is something going on. And like James said, this is spiritual in nature. This is illogical. It's not just, you know, it's not like the atheists where they just strictly believe in a concept religiously. You know, this is not just a concept. This is a series of rituals. It's symbolism and all that kind of stuff that should be telling us there is something going on. There is a movement of Luciferians going on, and it is highly public. And I can't express how surprised I am when I speak to someone about something like this, even just very lightly about, you know, hey, there's some symbolism going on in Hollywood. And I think it's important for us as Christians to keep in mind what type of media that we consume, what type of people that we might congregate with, And the response typically is either going to be, you know, a scoff. It's like, ah, you know, whatever. It's just a movie, man. It's just a movie. It's just a Hollywood movie. Personally, I think that is not the right mindset, especially as a truth-seeking Christian, and especially if you're calling yourself a Christian. Right, man.
1: And, um, you know, what's funny, right, is that oftentimes the existence of darkness just makes the light look even brighter and more obvious where it is in the room, right? So right now, people can show their friends and say, look, you know, these Luciferians who are calling themselves the Disciples of Lucifer are pushing, literally, they're marching all over the world now for a one-world government. Both of these things, the whole Luciferian thing, right, and the one-world government, the NWO thing, those things used to be considered really conspiracy theory, tinfoil hattie to talk about, Right. But now, I mean, they're making themselves known. And by the way, what they're doing right now is actually by their playbook, it's called the externalization of the hierarchy. And so what they have to do, there had to come a point in time if you read the writings of some of these people, which by the way, I don't recommend, okay? I did it in the past when I was uh, just doing a lot of research. And back then I was not really solid on my Christian faith. This was a long time ago, but I was like researching Trying to find the truth. And ironically, looking into some of these matters when I stumbled across them, that helped to point me to Jesus Christ because I was like, there's a lot of people in various places. Some of them have a lot of power and they're into this religion. And I was wondering, I'm like, why are they practicing such strange things? Like, really, if you have a lot of power and a lot of money and you got a group of friends, it's like, really, these are the types of things that that you want to do? That doesn't make sense, right? Like, I would be doing totally different things if I had a lot of power and money. But, um, of course, they do some odd things that the Bible says we shouldn't even speak about them. But, for example, Alice Bailey, she was a disciple of that Helena Blavatsky woman. This externalization of the hierarchy was in their playbook where they had to kind of soften and prepare the minds for this by getting everyone to abandon their Former religious dogmas, in particular Christianity, right? They start by tearing down the unity, the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman, right? Because that's how a healthy person grows up and becomes a healthy member of society is whether they're a boy or a girl, they look up to their parents, their mom, or their dad and they learn what it means to be a man or a woman and how to lead from that gender. Oh, it's crazy. You know, I just said that word, and it's just like the way the context I'm using it, not even 10 years ago would have been completely normal. right? But now it's just like, Oh, "Oh, oh, 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 oh my gosh, guys. You know, it's like this, that's how you can tell this is a spiritual battle. It's not based on logic or purely science. If it was all scientific and all the leaders are leading and taking advice, from the experts in science, that's not what they're doing. This is a religious battle, right? This is a, people need to wake up and, it's a spiritual, it's a religious battle. It's not about science at these levels that we're talking about.
0: Is it science that slowly we're getting TED Talks and various different news articles that are beginning to normalize pedophilia? You know, that are saying that it's the pedophiles that are the victims? Or that, oh, maybe pedophilia is okay. Like, these are children that have not even hit puberty. And a lot of the ones that we see are in very, very high levels of influence. And they are not unintelligent. They are not dumb. They know that something like this, a warfare like this, takes time. It takes deliberation. And it's slow and steady. They knew that 10 years ago, if they had that TED Talk, trying to have people sympathize for for pedophiles. They knew that wasn't gonna fly, but just a couple years, boom, it flies. They knew. Now they've weaponized, like James was implying, they've weaponized the word gender even.
1: Slowly boiled the frog and then they got it to a place where everybody is passively compliant even when they're getting censored. And now they can full on, they can really up the ante now and just go to extremes because they're just censoring everybody who disagrees with them which it which basically that calls into in the question anything that these these people are believing or supporting because if it was really something powerful or true that would benefit all of society that they're pushing for you wouldn't have to censor and control and force it on people out of fear right that's the thing right it just doesn't make any sense. The fact that they had to slowly boil us all like a frog and now that we're passive and chilling and compliant enough, now they can really take it to the extreme and they just censor everybody and they control us and they, you know it's fear. A lot of people don't want to speak out because they can get fired from their jobs. I mean, if you're pushing anything that is right, right, you wouldn't have to do that. You would not have to exercise such an unnaturally strong hand put all our people in power into, into social media and just ban everybody and shadow ban them. And it's like, what? If you're pushing something that obviously rings true in the core of every human being, you wouldn't have to do that. If you're really pushing the powerful, whatever the new age wants to call it, right? This is the essence. We found it, guys. enlightenments We're all coming under this one world government utopia. We've tapped into the secrets of the universe or whatever they want to believe, right? Guess what, guys? you wouldn't have to force it like this and you would not have to exercise that ridiculously uh, shady hands to shove down everybody who doesn't just comply. The reason they're doing that, like Abraham just brought up, is because they're pushing such crazy things that obviously don't ring true in the core of
0: any normal human being, right? And if you're one of these people that have been going to church for a lot of you for 10, 20, 30 years... And you hear this, if your immediate reaction is, oh, if I, if I talk about this at my church or at my potluck, it's just going gonna, gonna to ruin the mood, that means you are living in fear. If that was your response, that means that, hey, I'm, I'm keeping it real. That means you're seeking the approval of whoever in your mind you think that you should seek approval from in the church. And who knows what the response is going to be? And I would like to challenge you guys, if you are one of those type of Christians, to bring it up. Because the spiritual war is real, and the war isn't fought. Is, I mean, sometimes it's fought in potlucks, but I would say that the war is going to be fought in the hearts and minds of people. And it's going to be fought in the relationships you build with non-Christians and even relationships getting stronger between Christians where you're literally you're applying that verse in Proverbs, iron sharpeneth iron. And I know that's what James and I do all the time. Well we challenge each other all the time. Not just because we're men, but because we're Christians and we know that we are in the middle of a complex and dangerous battle of souls, a battle for souls. And we know that we have to keep each other sharp. We know that the stronger that we get, the more powerful we are in the Holy Spirit and the more God might be able to use us at those critical moments, those periods where, boom, it's time for you to preach the gospel, to share the gospel to someone. Or boom, this is a, a pivotal moment with you and a family member that you've been praying about for all this time. And instead of going to just the Bible study And, you know, just drinking in stuff and not questioning or not just actively seeking the truth yourself or actually wrestling with trying to understand what's in the Bible. Are you going to be ready at these pivotal moments? Are you going to be prayed up? Are you going to have access to the knowledge of the Bible that's going to give your words authority? That's a genuine concern that I have with so many of these churches that I have visited Well, not during the lockdown, but before. And it's a pattern that I've seen over and over again of even just a little tiny nugget of truth is responded with revulsion and of fear, a, a revulsion born of fear, or of feeling uncomfortable because they're being challenged with something new. And iron should be sharpening iron, but we're a church full of marshmallows, that just refuse to be sharpened. You try to sharpen a marshmallow and it's just going to be cut in half. And, you know, they're they're just going to run away. And you know what? If you're a Christian, then you're built of stronger stuff than that because you have the Holy Spirit and you have the Almighty God on your side. Maybe there's something crazier going on than Billy fighting with Johnny because they're roommates or something like that. And we have to go pray for them or gossiping about Judy, who she brought this food that Jill didn't like, and now that's being blown out of proportion. You guys you guys hearing me? I hope you guys are hearing me, because I think this is a legitimate challenge to the Christians throughout the nation who might be listening. The enemy is slowly winning, yes, winning, inside of the hearts and minds of many Americans and many people throughout the world, It's going on every day, and they're strategizing all the time. What's the next way? What's the next way we can attack the hearts and minds of Christians and non-Christians alike? What's the next way that we can put fear into the hearts of our enemies, the Christians? And it's going on all the time, and they're pumping in so much money. And you think they're afraid of your, your, your tithes that are just going to your local church? You think they're afraid of that? Exactly I
1: don't think so. man. And notice how the things that you're saying that a lot of these now let's okay now let's get into the roast of the mega churches, right? <laughs> we should make a section <laughs> we should make a section of our podcast called the roast of the mega church. But oh, uh, I
0: like it. I like it.
1: Yeah man, because everything you just said that a lot of them are afraid of are material things, right? We're supposed yes. to be spiritual minded guys. You have to remember that God is not working through the logic of your day-to-day, what you can see physically manifest in front of your face. Because we walk by faith and not by what? (laughs) Not by sights, right? And so, yeah, that's where I think most people meet a ultimate blockade that stops them from moving any further in their Christian walk. They stop there. They stop right where it becomes, okay, now you just have to put your faith in something that you don't see how this is going to work out. But you have to make a little bit of a leap of faith, right? It's going against your primal, like your, it's going against your flesh, right? It's going against your fleshly mind of how you're thinking, like, I can't see, that's stupid. Why would I do that, right? I'm just going to keep my head down. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I got to keep my job. And if you're always, if every Christian out there is thinking like that, Well, look at the results, guys. Look at the fruits of that weak sauce, passive, scaredy cat thinking. And uh, you got to remember that you got the God of the entire universe behind you. And it's time for us to step out and use our voices a little bit more. Why should we be ashamed as Christians to be more open about our speech? No, really, why should we be ashamed? The things, the values that we have, right? You look throughout the history of Christendom, they've brought about healthy families with a solid foundation for individuals and nations, right? So why should we be ashamed to speak up? Oh, they're threatened to cancel your job. Who knows, man? If plenty of you guys start standing up at the office, maybe they'll all be afraid to fire that one person because everybody else is starting to speak out every time they try to pull a maneuver like that. But the mega church side, it's like they are preventing their people from growing because they never want to be harsh on their people, I think they need to do the exact opposite, man. Hey, this is just my opinions. This is a podcast, right? What do I know? <laughs> I'm just a disciple of Christ here too, right? But hey, I'm one who's not afraid to talk and neither is Abraham. <laughs> so obviously if there's anybody listening to us from this mega church system, right? It's like, you guys gotta be a little tougher on your members. That's just That's just, should be obvious to everyone right now, right? Don't worry about people walking out the door. It's time to get tough and it's time to start calling things out like what we're doing right here, right? People see this, a lot of Christians see this, and they, they don't talk about it at church, right? Oh, that's crazy. Just pray, guys, in your own little private closet over there. Then when you come to church, right, it's like we're just going to tell you a nice devotional about how we all need to continue to love each other. And just remember, just have that faith, guys. Now go back out into the world and get totally brainwashed and demolished by everything out there. And so the fruits will show. Abraham and I have some ties at one or two megachurches, right? Because we were involved in them when we were a lot younger because of like family connections or whatever, right? And from one of these megachurches, I, re- I remember that uh, after I had went through my own personal journey with Christ and God had trained me up in a certain way, I have a friend that I grew up in that megachurch with, and this guy was backsliding, he was really slipping, right? And so, but the problem is, check this out, right? Because of the culture of that, of those churches, nobody was getting on his case, right? People could just like be a member there and just disappear, just leave and go back out into the world. Nobody checks up on them. Nobody grills them. Nobody gets up in their face because those things are, are you now. See, they bought into the brainwashing of the passivity, right? That, oh man, oh, you know, if you're the one who gets up in somebody else's face, now you're the bad guy. It's like, no, why don't you, why don't you read the Bible? Like, what did Paul do? When Peter was being carried away, right, with the Judaizers, and Paul confronted him to his face, right? And that's okay. I'm sure Peter respected that and was like, oh, there's a greater concern here than just how am I coming across, guys? What's my image? Am I coming across like somebody who looks a little bit angry right now? I, I can't do that. So what? So now you sacrifice a soul to the enemy and just, you know, allow him to go drift out into the world because you yourself don't want to be seen like somebody who's going to put your foot down. You want to be seen like the nice guy, Right. See, this is why we talk about these topics on our podcast, guys, because we know, because Abraham and myself, more than most people out there, we know we've been in a lot of different kind of churches and different cultures. We, I've moved around a lot personally. Abraham has too, but I've moved around a lot all over this country. And so I've seen different cultures. Okay, so I can give a bigger picture of you. I can take a step back. I'm not pigeonholed and bubbled into one area, right? That's why I can speak on these matters because I put everything in context together, in light of, in view of all of the other cultures that most people, they don't see anything but their own church culture. I can tell you that clear as day from my standpoint, most people don't see anything but their own private, you know, walled off church culture. And I've seen a lot and best believe that the body has many members. Okay? The body has many members. God is even still using saved Christians, <laughs> some of my Baptist friends out there. Believe it or not, God still has saved Christians that he uses in some charismatic churches. Now, we don't agree with their doctrines a lot of times right? because they don't rightly divide the word. They're not really deep into the word as much as Baptists are. But I've experienced and I have some friends who... Attend some of these churches, and I can tell you, it's not as black and white as you think it is. Oh, they're all—it's only the Baptists. The Baptists are the only ones who're gonna make it into heaven, right? But yeah, so at this mega church, I had this friend, and nobody was getting on his case. He drifted and backslided way out there into the world, and I kind of took him under my wing for a while. Uh, multiple, fa- multiple failed attempts at trying to do that because he would always just kind of slide back into the world, but eventually, after being patient, there was a point in time where I kind of put my foot down and I just told him to his face. I was like, look, man, if you keep continuing like this, bro, you're going to lose a lot. And uh, you're just a loser, bro. Come on, you got to take responsibility. You're a man. You're, he's an adult now. It's like, you're living like a loser. And unless you do something about it, you're always going to be a loser. Right? And then I just stopped talking to him. And most people don't want to be that bad guy. Right. But the idea is, guys, you don't have to be that all the time right? What's the setting? What is the situation? Have some social awareness, right? So yeah, now what's funny is you fast forward, right? And now the spiritual battle is heating up in our country, obviously, right? And so what happened, guys, a lot of the megachurch friends that we have who are under some of these leaders, they're not bad guys, okay? They're not bad guys, but I've seen their style and I'm just like, they're also victims of that same culture, okay? Because a lot of them are not that much older than us, than me and Abraham. And a lot of the people they're leading, they're now, okay, let's just look at the fruits, guys. You shall know them by their fruits. Well, they're completely, it just appears like they're completely inactive other than, okay, they probably get mad at me if I said that, right? But other than, from what people outside of your group can see, I'm not talking about all your friends that you go hold hands and sing songs at church every Sunday, right? I'm talking about people in your community surrounding your church, right? How many of these people are you reaching on a, on a weekly basis, And so what's funny is the friend that I have, um, that I was really tough on now, that guy is a missionary. Like I just heard about this. Abraham told me about this recently, but apparently now he's a missionary in some dangerous country, right?
0: Yeah. So I mean, hostile to Christians, I think.
1: Yeah. So look at the fruits in the end, right? That's why you plant that seed, but you got, it's a process. It's a long process, but best believe that the body has many members there's the side that knows the Bible very well and they just kind of like preach it really loudly, just exactly like it is to the entire world. I get it. You know, this is the Christian podcast that keeps it real. I get it, right? So not to knock everything, because I know they do that too. They try to be patient with their members and everything else. But as I've said this before, right? When you put every single sermon that you do on camera, just out there to the entire world, you're going to get branded in a certain way by people where now the only people who are ever going to watch your videos are going to be everybody who's in the exact same camp and already believes and thinks exactly like you. So what good is that? It doesn't matter if you even have like a million subscribers or something, right? Okay. What is the population of the United States alone? Do you know, Abraham? Do you have that information?
0: I think something like it's supposed to be at 350 million.
1: Okay. Let's just say that's what it is, right? 350 million. Now, let's be gracious with that because there's a lot of people who are too old or too young to be watching YouTube or following channels like Christian channels, and let's just cut it down to like 250 million. That's a huge, being very generous with the numbers, right? Okay, even some of the biggest YouTubers out there, non-Christian YouTubers that have like 20 million plus subscribers, right? They're still only reaching a fraction of the population in this one country, (laughs) right? Because their subscribers are from all over the world. So you got to realize it's like people can get a little bit of a inflated head when they think like, oh man, I've got 500,000 subscribers or something. I mean, now let's just preach it. Everybody's listening. It's like, maybe the people who are listening are the 500,000 people in that same exact camp and denomination that you are, right? But if you're really trying to make an impact and reach the lost, then it's going to take more effort. It's going to take more patience and you talk about certain topics, right? You can't just dump every, all the truth on them all at once. So I know that some of these guys for their members, cause I've talked to some of them, they told me, they were like, no, no, like we're patient with our members. We grow them slowly, but then they get on the camera and they want to force the entire world to be at the exact same level, eating steaks along with their members. Good on you guys. Hey man, we can all get around the table and eat a bunch of steaks. Good on you guys. But I'm, you know, you got to think about things on a bigger picture level, because that's very important to keep in view. Don't get too pigeonholed. Don't get too bubbled in, whether you're a megachurch or whether you're all the way on the other side. Why? Because something like this happens, Luciferian marches, and both sides are going to have an extreme response. That's why we need to figure out a way to be discerning and wise about which aspects can you learn to get along with other people on to at least try and win them over, plant some seeds so that they'll at least hear it, right? It's not just gonna be like they just completely cover their ears and look, this guy's just like, this guy's just smashing his pulpit at me, right? And then on the other side, it's like these mega churches, y'all just need to start grilling your people, man. <laughs> what, what can we say? What can we say? Y'all need to start digging it. Cause I was so surprised by some of these members when we went and visited some of our old mega church friends or whatever. Dude, it's, it's like you can't say anything to these people. They've completely bought into the brainwashing coming from this agenda right now, this like censorship, overly uber offended society that we live in, right? So you can't tell them anything. They can't. It's like you can't get through anything to help them grow. Why? Because the moment that you kind of break through, one of their leaders comes rushing around the corner and he says, hey, hey, hey who's this guy? What is he, is offending your guys' feelings? Oh, your guys' feelings are offended. It's like, uh, oh, we we were just talking about the Bible. It was, you know, it's like, oh no, I felt like the way that you were going about it was just, you know, you could have went about it a different way. It's like, no, the reason why I started going about it like that is because, trust me, I can read the social situation, right? Like I said, I've been in many different cultures. The reason why in these mega churches, it happens like that is because everybody doesn't have practice speaking their true and honest opinions, right? So because nobody is saying anything honestly, right? They're just kind of using words to fill the space. Oh, yeah, guys. Um, Yeah, you know, we're going to have a retreat, and that sounds good. Oh, yeah, you know, da, da, da. it's like they're not really saying any any, you know, why? Because they've all been terrified and punished every time they bring something forward that could potentially dig in, cause some growth, right? Maybe it feels like a little bit of a rebuke. Those are super necessary to grow, okay? You can't get rid of that method of dealing with people because everything becomes passive aggressive, which means everything is now uncertain because you can't say anything out in the open. So when you try to get a message across to somebody, you have to use some kind of like a hints. But the problem is if you're just always speaking in hints, that's an extremely unclarified way to try and get a message of actual significance and growth across to somebody else. You know what hints are good for? Hints are good for keeping a culture from growing or changing and going anywhere. Because hints are already established frames that everybody in that group already knows what that hint means, right? But they're not designed to grow somebody. They're just designed to maintain the order and never have it move past anything, right? And so that's why you have these inside jokes, these little hints that go back and forth, these passive aggressive conversation. And this is why I'm all about direct communication when necessary, right? You don't just go like <laughs> pounding the pulpit in people's faces, but you have to learn how to be a direct communicator and you can't protect people from that negative churches. You can't protect people from direct communication. That has to be an okay thing because that's the only way that you can sufficiently get a complex set of information into somebody else's head for them to then think about it and go like, "Huh, maybe I need to change." Right? Just doing a little passive aggressive hints or something and hoping that they get the message. That's first of all for men who do that, that's very feminine. Okay? And the Bible says that men, this is what the Bible says, we're Christians, hey, we have this book called the Bible that has a track record of getting all these prophecies right as Christians. All right, so I want to preach it that men are different from women and for men, if you're going to behave like that, you're being effeminate, and God is against men acting like that. So there you go. A little bit of a rant there. And
0: compliments. Yeah. Just like hints, compliments. You know, I'll share this story as we begin to close out. I'll share this story. Uh, I learned cello on the East Coast, and this is like a community where classical music is big. And somehow, when I was a kid, I was able to get onto the list and become a student of one of the most desired cello teachers in New York and I, I still to this day you know I just auditioned once and she had me become one of her students and check this out she did not compliment me once actually from any music teacher that I've had at least on the east coast and I'm not trying to divide east coast and west coast I've not once every single time it's a criticism 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 and I just kept practicing 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 And so fast forward to when I'm a little bit older and I move all the way to the West Coast. And I grew up as a cellist never receiving a compliment in my life. And then suddenly I'm in this new environment and I'm just the best one out there. And I don't even audition for, you know, for orchestras and stuff. And I just get in and suddenly I'm the first chair. And all this kind of stuff coming from a culture where there is no praising, where you're just criticized because you are not gonna be the best until you're on that stage where you play for a true audience. And coming from that to a culture where kids are just praised for being able to play a scale and not even perfectly, right? And it was such a huge difference. It was such a huge difference. Because why? Because even children, if they're coddled, they will not have the strength, the mental strength or anything to be able to handle the truth of what is actually going on, like what their actual state is. Because what I wanted to say is to all the marshmallows in the megachurches out there that can't even be sharpened by iron, the first thing you have to do is be able to realize that you're a marshmallow. It's like, you know, if you're trying to get fit, one of the first things that you have to take into account is that you are unfit or you are fat or you are something, and you have to have this reality in your head so that maybe if you want to be another state, then you know, okay, I'm here, I'm exactly here, and I want to get there. So, you know exactly where you are and you know exactly where you want to go. But, in another sense, too, it's so that you don't unnecessarily get injured. Because suddenly, if you don't recognize that you're unfit and suddenly you're sprinting every day and suddenly you're doing very complex lifting movements and you're not resting enough, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get injured. So, I think it's very important as a first step if you're listening to this and you're a Christian and You're marshmallow. You're what John would call a babe. If you're one of these people who are so afraid of even listening to a little bit of truth because you're scared that your shows are going to be taken away, or if you're so scared to bring up a topic because it might offend some people and it might cause drama. If you've grown up in a culture where all you were given were compliments, you have to recognize what state you're in right now. You are a weak Christian that does not have the armor of God. And once you recognize that, then can you take the first step? Boom. Yeah. Um, You want to close us out?
1: Sure. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning into the UGC podcast. We'll see you guys next time.